0: In this episode, we're going to answer a viewer's question about counterintelligence as it applies to an organization. He wants to know where and when it's needed, how do you know, what's it for, what's the basic description of counterintelligence, and we're going to give him the down and dirty answer. This is a follow-up question from our last live show on YouTube, which will be linked in the description below, and you can go there and watch that whole show. There are timestamps in that video, so you can skip ahead to the subjects that you want to see. So counter interrogation. when does an organization need it? That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. Okay, one of the questions I didn't get an answer on the show came from Mr. Q, part of Locals, said, when does an organization realize they haven't developed counterintelligence? Is it when they're compromised or when they started without a CI element? So if they understand what CI is and determine whether or not they have a need for it and say it's at the beginning... Then that would be they notice they haven't developed it because they chose not to. The other thing is when they're compromised, it depends on if they understand what that compromise is and if it's counterintelligence. The thing with counterintelligence, their primary mission, ninety nine percent of what they do is look for human intelligence. They look for spies, people committing espionage, and they also do security assessments that have to do with the ability to either be spied on or just like say overseas in the military, sometimes they'll do threat assessments on installations or outposts to look for vulnerabilities that go beyond just what human intelligence can do. The other things they'll do is sometimes they'll screen people like local nationals that work on military bases, counterintelligence primarily is who screens those individuals. The only time they really run sources is when they're running sources looking for human intelligence assets when they're conducting criminal investigations, essentially what they're doing. Now, that doesn't mean you need all of those aspects in a civilian organization. It also depends on the type of organization you're talking about because it could be a civilian, could be a company, could be a group of preppers. It just depends on what you're doing, what you think you need counterintelligence assets for. So even if you have people like, say, in a private organization or group that you have questions about, there's things you can do to look into them. But it's more of a question of why you think that matters. Why do you think CI is important? You know, they always talk about things like on social media about infiltrators whether it's law enforcement or like some Antifa guy infiltrating a prepper group or a prepper guy trying to infiltrate Antifa. It's what are they there for? Those are the things you're trying to figure out. What do they want? Maybe they are trying to change their lives. Maybe they're trying to see a different point of view. So it really comes down to what's the level of importance of encounter intelligence for that organization. Now, if you look at something more common like corporate espionage, that could be a lot of different things from insider trading to posing as an employee to learn trade secrets of a competitor. Or to gain access to information or files there's all kinds of ways corporate espionage can be done it still is a type of espionage it doesn't mean it's a professional spy doing it but it's a form of espionage in the fact that they're basically going in infiltrating in a sense other than insider trading they're say infiltrating an organization posing as somebody posing as an employee even if they're using their real information with a different goal not trying to actually work there to be an employee it's still the same thing as espionage and it depends on how do you find those people? How do you determine that's what they're doing? And that takes internal security measures that go beyond just hiring practices. You can't catch everybody in the hiring practice. It's just not going to happen. And even if somebody comes in, who's not doing that, that is an honest person that wants to work there, things change on the job or from personal life or their job or their own social beliefs that affect how they react to situations and what they do. It's no different than guys that give up trade secrets or trash on a company they work for, stuff we see in social media all the time, to somebody that does the same thing but does it to a country and acts as a spy and says, here's what's going on, here's what we're doing, here's the information I got, similar process, whether a trained professional or not. For an organization, presuming, let's say that it's a private organization, some sort of hobbyist or proper group, we'll use that idea, although this does pertain to businesses as well, even the military. Part of it is having internal security measures such as what are your hiring practices or volunteering practices? How are you vetting people? How are you interviewing them? What kind of questions do you have prepared that you're gonna ask everybody? What kind of responses are you looking for? What kind of follow-up questions do you have? What kind of questions are you prepared to ask that specific person that may not be asked everybody else? Which speaks to what background check did you do on them? Have you looked at any public presence they have, any internet footprints, those are social media to see what their beliefs are and what they're doing? How do you communicate them what your goals and visions are? to get them to understand everything they're getting into. Do you have a probationary period? Probationary periods are a good thing, just like businesses have in some situations, to give people the opportunity to see what the group's about, meet people there, can they participate as much as they have wanted to, Have can they meet other people and find out, is everything they learned in the interview process is that even true? Some people will back out right there just because they can't fulfill the requirement, or they find out that Maybe what they're told isn't entirely true. Maybe it's more goals and visions and actual things that have happened. Maybe they're more impressed with what they find. So that's the first part of it. The second part of it is communication mainly. How do you monitor people, keep in touch with them? Some people get disgruntled in groups and eventually they even speak bad against them, and it really boils down to communication issues. How often were they talked to? Where they ask questions? What levels of leadership have gotten involved? These are things that I dealt with in Arizona working with a prepper group and a militia was what kind of people were there, who was talking to them, how often were they seeing people, how often was training, were they being catered to, not like coddled, but were they being addressed on their needs and requirements, were they being coached, were they being helped. A lot of those things help keep people. So it's, it's a combination of internal security measures as well as what I learned from the military we call a retention plan. A lot of organizations have a great recruitment method and they're attractive and people show up, but they have no retention plan and people leave all the time. So yeah, they can get people in, but people are leaving just as quickly, sometimes more quickly. So it's how do you keep the people you have? Because if you don't have that plan, aside from a revolving door and maybe losing everybody, you actually create some disgruntled people or speak out against your organization for what would be considered very valid reasons, even if they overspeak what they're saying because of how they were treated or more importantly, how they weren't treated or what promises were given that were never followed through on. So you have that to look forward to. Then you have ongoing security measures, just like if you had a military base, what kind of security stuff are you constantly checking? What things are you looking for in that organization to determine what needs to be protected? What's protected information? What should people have access to? What types of security breaches are potentially there? know, what do people want to know and why? How do you explain to them why that information isn't for them? You know, you got to figure all those types of things out because what it can turn into is it could turn into a counterintelligence situation where you get a disgruntled person who is not being treated like everybody else. Maybe there's an inner clicker people. Maybe they're not getting their needs met on what they're there for. And especially if this is a volunteer group, it's a lot easier for people to do this then they're being told they can't have a say or they can't have a vote and they don't understand why they're not enjoying themselves. They don't like some of the people. And over time, all these little things build up and then they speak out against the group, try to discredit them publicly, or maybe even they go and collect and do something against them to make them look bad. Maybe it is something actually bad, you know, like take, for example, let's take one of these private groups, like there's private prepper groups and surf uh, Uh, CERT groups, for example, those emergency response groups, guys that volunteer to work with law enforcement and search and rescue, there's militias, all these different types of groups. So let's say they have an attractive recruitment method. Everything looks good. You get involved. You're getting training. You're getting all this stuff. You're meeting people you're liking, and then come to find out at some point, you figure out there's some bad stuff going on in the background that people are trying to do. Maybe it's nothing super nefarious. It's just they're conspiracy guys that... Think The government should be overthrown and then in some cases maybe it's something really bad like they want to commit acts of violence. That's happened. Then that person goes and turns them in. Well, whether or not you like what that person did, that can be considered a CI issue, but it's probably good that they went and turn them in. So it depends on how you're seeing these things and how it's structured. One of the things I learned in the military when we did combat arms anyway was, we always said security was first, last, and always. I think that translates everywhere in every industry. It's just a question of what security you need and how does, it, how does it work. Like think of security on your computer. If you're not doing the required security updates or you're not running a firewall, or you don't have a malware program, you're not actively monitoring security on your computer, which means there could be a breach. If there's not an active system in place to check for it, eventually something's gonna get compromised. So you have to determine what things you wanna protect What security system are going to put in place? How is it going to be actively monitored? And how are you going to update that regularly? And how are you going to tailor that to fit the needs of the group? The point of all that is saying why counterintelligence in general's job is to look for human intelligence, spies, espionage. I think people in the private sector focus on that a little too much outside of corporate espionage. I would look at the security threat assessment value that CI provides as the primary thing people don't do. They usually get some compromise or... Just gets them publicly discredited, or gives them a speed bump in the road that causes, you know, frustration and strife for a few days or a few weeks. That's the part I would look at.